0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the newest edition of the House of Chayton podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Chayton. And before we get into everything we're going to be talking about, because there's going to be a lot to talk about. I recently found out earlier this week that a good friend of mine and a good friend of many individuals through my time on YouTube. A man by the name of Elder. He also went by Seafood Black Irish. Tony passed away last month after his long battle with cancer. A few mutual friends found out about this this past week and informed myself and others. Some close friends of his that were close to him where they were able to talk to his roommate, elder's roommate and all that. So not only do I want to send my condolences to the other friends and family of Elder, but I want to announce this episode will be dedicated in the honor of Elder, and this episode will be ad-free. So rest in peace, my friend. You will be missed. He was actually on this podcast at one point in time. He was on a bonus episode where we were talking about the human centipede, reacting to it and all that. So if you all want to go check the episode out to hear the man behind the voice, you can do so. So with that being said, we are back after a week hiatus. It's been two weeks since the last episode, but it feels like it's a lifetime ago. This is episode 24, and of course, this episode is on Saturday December the 3rd, 2022. Now, as many of you know, in a couple of weeks, we will be taking our hiatus for two weeks. We will be back to the beginning of the year, where we talking about AEW, Avatar, so on and so forth. I believe I may be talking about Avatar beforehand. But as soon as last week's episode dropped, we had a big announcement which I will get to in a little bit. We have a lot to talk about. Some outstanding trailers we've gotten. Of course, my list of the top movies of every year that I've been alive, because this past week I also celebrated my 28th birthday. But we will start off with the box house report for the last two weeks that I missed. And uh, we are going to start off with... November 28th, the weekend of November 28th to the 20th. And I'm, all, I'm not going to go into all the details until next, and then when I get into the next week. Number one was Black Panther Wakanda Forever dropping 63% that week. It made $66 million. Number two was The Menu, which was a fantastic film. Made about $9 million. It was new that week. Then we had the Chosen season three episodes one and two. I actually never heard of this until they started playing this at certain theaters. That made eight point seven million. Number four, Black Adam at four point six, and then finally Ticket to Paradise at three point one. Now she said came out that weekend as well and made two point two million. So not surprising with the entire with the list that I just read off. Now Bones and all came out early, and it made it was at number fifteen with a hundred and Twenty-one thousand, but it only opened at, in five theaters. So, with that being said, we are going to get into the most recent week, and that is November twenty-fifth to twenty-seventh, so Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Number one was Black Panther yet again with forty-five million, and it may is made currently. Let me get let me get to it. $682 million worldwide, basically double of what Black Adam made. So very impressive. Number two, Strange World, the movie that Disney didn't even care about, opened with $12.1 million and it has made currently $29 million. This is going to be a bomb. Not a lot of people went to go to even where I'm at to go see it. Number three, this is the biggest one of them all. We talked about Terrifier 2 a couple about, about a month ago. But this one is the biggest surprise of them all. Netflix's Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery, opened in 696 theaters, made almost 10 million dollars. Just think about that for a second. 696 million made almost 10 million dollars, 9.4 million dollars. Compared to like Strange World, which made $12.1 million and 4,174 theaters. Devotion, which only made $5.9 million, and it was about 3 point, or 3,405. It is crazy to think that this movie made as much money. I'm happy for it. I have not seen Glass Sunny myself, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. So I'm, I am looking forward to checking it out. Also, number four, of course, we mentioned Devotion, which like, I I want to see it actually because the guy from Top Gun has Jonathan Majors. He's been he's a star on the rise recently, so I may try to see it soon. Number five was the Menu, dropped from uh, number two to number five, made five point uh, four million. Number six, Black Adam, three point two million. The Fables men jumped from. Uh, what do you call it? Number seventeen, number seven, made two point two million. I actually got a poster that on my wall right now, along with Smile, number eight, Bones and All, which I'll be talking about later on as well, two point two million, which I'm not really surprised. That's a very. It's going to be a hard movie to to continue. But um, number nine, Ticket to Paradise, one point eight million, and then The Chosen season three episodes one two With one point five million. So. A very uh, impressive week now. Also, Terrifier 2 is at number 26. It's still at some theaters, it's only at 45, but it made $14,000. And it is currently, let me see, it's currently at $11 million. So, very impressive. So, with that being said, we are going to take a, we are going to get into the, actually, I keep forgetting because we're not doing, I'm, I'm, is the rare occasion where I don't do ads. So we're not, we're going to try not to do as many breaks. If you, we're not going to be doing breaks and all that good stuff. So little fourth wall breaking there. So with that, we are going to actually go into another topic real quick before we get into the major news. We're going to get into the physical media report. We're going to do that right now. So we can, so we can get those two out of the way right now. Now, as far as the physical media report, we have actually a good amount of stuff to discuss, as long as other stuff. Now, we're getting the Slumber Party Massacre 1 and 2, 4K Blu-rays, expected to uh, arrive in the market in January. So I'm very much looking forward to this. Slumber Party Massacre 1 and 2. That means, because I, I have the Slumber Party Massacre, I do not have Part 2, that actually is hard to find. So, that I will keep an eye out for. The Man Who Fell to Earth, the David Bowie film. That will be coming with a Studio Canal 4K steelbook on February 27th. I cannot wait for this movie. Cannot wait to see it on on 4K. So, let's see. Problem with having all these sites already. You know, already in terms of like these things. Here's another one I'm excited about, the Dennis Collection Blu-ray. That will be coming out January 24th from Vestron Video. It will have uh, the, yes, this collection, 1996 through 1998, January 24th. I cannot wait for this. We're getting the, uh, what do you call it, Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. So now Crimes of the Future will be coming to 4K, which uh, I just got this on Blu-ray. But that will be coming on January thirty first. VHS ninety nine will be coming from RLJE Films on February the eleventh or February seventh. February is gonna be a big month. I'll go into detail why. Staying Alive is reported to come out on 4K from Paramount in, of course, twenty twenty three. So let's get into the other bit. I got a good amount of Black Friday sales, by the way. I got like we'll get into that near the end near the end of this the physical media report but we don't have really anything in regards to arrow videos arrow video for february we got some we got uh dot com for murder i wonder i don't think that's fear dot com, but that that will be coming out in february kind of a disappointing lineup for february if i'm being honest Missing will be coming to uh, Blu-ray on December second or December sixth, excuse me. So I'll be some talk about in the what is coming out this week. Black Adam 4K will be coming to on uh, 4K from Warner Bros on January third. Let's see, Wrath the Man, of course, will be coming to on January seventeenth from Shaw Factory. That one I'm actually looking forward to. I'm looking to see what is the other big news, if you will, before we get into the other topics. Event Horizon, we are getting a slipcover version that will be coming to for, for 4K. That will be coming on, if I can get the date, January 31st. I got the steelbook. I'm happy with that, so I'm going to keep that. We also got the Mask of Zorro and Air Force One 4K Blu-ray Steelbooks coming from Sony. Those will be coming to us on March 2nd or March 7th. I'm getting these dates all fucked up today. I uh, There's something wrong with me today. I'm just, it is a, um, it is just the, the whole slow on the website. These are all coming to us from Blu-ray.com, by the way. Let me see, before we get into the... All right, Dario Argento, Symphony of Fear, three-film box set Blu-ray. That'll be coming to us on December the 19th. Paradise City will be coming to us on Blu-ray from Lionsgate on December the 20th. And... Of course, uh, Bros coming to us on Blu-ray on November 22nd, so... That is it for all the news because we've already passed the Bros thing because Bros already came out on Blu-ray. All right, so December the sixth, we got this is going to be a big month in regards to some big new big uh, releases. We have Amsterdam coming to 4K and Blu-ray on December the sixth. We got Pulp Fiction, a standard edition and a 4K steelbook. Those will be coming to us this week. Black Christmas will be coming to us on 4K. From Shout Factory. Adaptation will be coming to us on 4K Creepshow Season 3. I believe that's Season 3, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Clerks 3 will be coming to us on Blu-ray. The Warriors coming to us with a Blu-ray steelbook. And then, let's look at the other bit of news, if you will. All right. RIPD coming to us on 4K, which movie I was not, I don't think nobody was expecting. Tommy Boy coming to us with a Blu-ray steelbook. And then let's see what else is coming out on the Blu-ray or the 4K. Let's see. That should be, that will be it in terms of that, those big releases. And next week will be a pretty decent sized week in regards to what is coming out. So we'll be talking about that next week. So with that, that is your physical media report for this week. And now we will be talking about some movie news. But before that, I want to talk about what I got for Black Friday. I got a good amount of stuff. Black Friday, my birthday. I got a good amount of deals. Far Cry Six Ultimate Edition that came with season pass. I got that for like 30 bucks. I got Unbearable Way of Massive Talent for about eight bucks. The Northmen for eight bucks. man No Way Home on Blu-ray for ten bucks. I got Lost Highway on four K and Blu-ray for twenty five. That seventies show, the complete series, I got that for twenty bucks. It was originally a hundred fucking dollars. So I got a good amount of stuff, uh, for that as far as games go. Of course, I got, I did get Capcom, fi- uh, I got the Capcom collection, the fighting collection. I got Evil Within one and two. These are some of the stuff I got for my birthday. I got the Star Wars bounty and ray or, or commando and racer collection. I got that for free, actually, with a buy two, get one free. Let's see what else I got? I got Call of Duty Modern for two, which I've not really started playing. Saints Row for about twenty twenty or about thirty bucks. That I've been playing. It's it's pretty it's not bad so far, at least. I got me Horizon Forbidden West. I got me a, a few friends of mine got me Ratchet and Quank, and another friend got me the what was it? The uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon for PS4. And I got the Callisto Protocol, which I will also be giving my impressions on in a little bit. Not beating the game, but I want to give because it, it is the weekend of Callisto Protocol. I've been waiting for this game for the longest time, so we'll be talking about that later as well. So a lot of good stuff, and thank you to everybody. Wish me happy birthday, whether it was on YouTube, whether it was on Facebook, TikTok, private message me, and anybody who who sent me... M- money for my birthday or whatever, thank you to everybody who who basically did did the work for the house and, and supports the house every single week, whether it's here or anywhere else. I appreciate every single one of you. So with all that being said, we are going to be talking about some news. All right, so now we are getting into the news. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot of big discussions regarding the future of certain divisions. All that good stuff. But let's talk, let's talk about some trailers because we got a lot of trailers this week. We got the trailer for The Mean One with David Howard Thornton. In the spirit of Violet Knight, we got Killer Santa. Now we got Killer Grinch. So that will be coming out actually this month. So I'm hopeful it will be in some theaters nearby, but we'll see. Then we got the movie I never thought I wanted, but now I can never live without. Cocaine Bear, with uh, the great and the late Ray Liotta. Surprisingly, this is inspired by a true story about a bear high on cocaine, killing fools. That will be coming out in February, so I'm very, very much looking forward to that. We also got the Transformers Rise of the Beast trailer, which color me surprised. I really enjoyed this trailer and looking I'm looking forward to it. We also got a trailer for Guards of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is was fantastic, very emotional. And I'm calling it now Rocket Dies. Either they are just doing this as a red herring, which would be genius, but Rocket dies in Guardians 3. That is my prediction. So we have that. And then we had the trailer for Indiana Jones 5, The Dial of Destiny. And once again, I really enjoyed this trailer. I'm excited that James Mangold is going to rectify part four and give us a final goodbye to this character with Harrison Ford. Because James Mangold is the man. So, lots of good trailers that came out this week. Uh, but let's get into some of the big news. We'll, we'll get into the other stuff late in a little bit. I'm going to leave a discussion about Wednesday. I will leave that for my my review of Wednesday. But nonetheless... Mike Flanagan, one of the best horror make, uh, filmmakers today, of course did Haunting Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and of course, one of my favorite uh, shows of the last 10 years, Midnight Mass, signs a multi-year de- or series deal with Amazon Studios. This comes to us from Bloody Disgusting. After working exclusively with Netflix the past several years on The Haunting Hellhouse, House, of course, all that, Mike Flanagan and Trevor Macy's Interpid uh, Pictures has found a new home at Amazon Studios, Deadline Reports. As part of the exclusive multi-year overall series deal that Mike Flanagan and Tracy Macy have now inked as their previous multi-year Netflix deal comes to an end, duo will develop and produce projects via their Intrepid Pictures Company, which exclusively stream on Prime Video in more than 240 countries and territories worldwide. So I am looking forward to this. It is unfortunate that they will no longer be with Netflix, but it is what it is in that regard. So I will, but I am looking forward to whatever Mike Flanagan does. Next, in a not really surprising news and also a big coup for Warner brother or for Sony. And as Legendary Entertainment moves from Warner Bros to Sony in the new deal. Legendary Entertainment the production mass media company that has been in bed with Warner Bros for the last several years has found a new home at Sony, THR reports, the Hollywood Reporter. In detail, under the terms of the deal, Legendary movies will be distributed and marketed globally by S- Sony, excluding China, where Legendary East will handle those duties. Sony will also handle home entertainment and TV distribution uh, for the, those films. Sony does not have a streaming service, and Legendary will continue to partner with other companies for streaming. So I think was one of was one of the driving forces of them partnering with Sony, is that they did not have a streaming service. Important to know, however, the pack does not include the Dune or Godzilla franchise, which will continue to be released by Warner Bros. Legendary's previous partner. Legendary, you may recall, had moved from Warner Bros. to Universal back at 2014, but the company had already returned to its former horror war at Warner Bros. by 2019. So uh Sony's commitment to theatrical distribution aligns with our vision and how of how to best Derive the most value for legendary movies, said legendary CEO Joshua Grode. So this one I'm I'm very much interested in seeing. Like horror, let's see. And of course, they've made other movies like horror movies like Texas on Massacre, Crimson Peak, Jurassic World, Jack Untold, Trick or Treat, Pacific Rim, and Godzilla, of course. So it's great, it's a great move. Uh it's a great coup by Sony for a great pickup for them. Just see Spider-Man one day being picked up by them will be great. Or, you know, with that, the um, legendary moniker. And then we'll get to the uh, Gigi Allen getting a biopic from Lords of Chaos filmmaker Jonas Accurred. I believe he said. It. Titled Gigi Allen Live Live Fast Die, a biopic centered on controversial punk rocker Gigi Allen is on the way from director Jonas Akerlod, if I apologize if I put your name. The Hollywood Reporter reports this afternoon. The Hollywood Reporter notes in their announcement the producers have acquired Allen's life and music rights and have a script written by Richard Skinnerman, Mitch Mischief Night. Gigi Allen, the fast die is said to explore what happens to a borderline personality. When the re- reach for fame exceeds the limits of talent, when substance abuse goes unchecked, and mental illness undiagnosed and untreated, and when a fictional character takes over a real person's life, driving GGB uh, limits anyone could possibly endure. Allen was a cult and fringe figure in the 1980s punk scene that became notorious for his outrageous acts on stage, no- notably defecating on stage, sometimes hurling it At his audience, his shows frequently ended in chaos and violence, and he found himself frequently arrested and imprisoned. Allen fell head head on into booze and drugs while putting out albums, punk spoken word, and country, mostly cassettes in the eighties. It's exactly the type of real and raw story I'm looking for, and this film explores the ugly belly of the beast and uh, and how. Kevin Allen came to be Gigi, said the director. I am really looking forward to this. I loved Lords of Chaos, and Gigi Allen is a very fascinating character in the world of 80s punk. So this I'm really looking forward to. So we will keep an eye out on that as well. So now the big news. The big news that happened right after my my, uh, last episode came out. Papa Iger is back. Bob Iger has taken back control of Disney from Bob Chapek. Let's give us give a a, a one last fuck you to Bob Chapek. Papa Iger's back. I or or yeah, Papa Iger. Bob Chapek was fired from his position, and it's funny because he just got renewed. I didn't think he would last all the way to his position. I didn't think it was gonna be this soon. I do believe Kathleen Candy is next. I do believe that. But Papa Iger is back in charge. We will now it's only gonna be for a couple of years until he finds a suitable replacement. So we will see what happens in regards to his future with Disney and what what the future will foretell. I am really looking forward to it. Hopefully he can steer the ship back because especially with the MCU, it has not felt the same since Iger Left, if you will, especially since Bob Chapek. But I will say this about Chapek. One thing I will give him credit for. He had a very hard task due to the fact that he was given the position that he had under the pandemic era. Right, It was like a month before the pandemic started. So regardless of my issues with Chapek, he had a hard task at hand. He did what he could do, but he's, unfortunately, it failed miserably. So, yeah. Next up, we are going to be talking about Wednesday and how she broke a record on, on Netflix. We'll get to that in just a moment. Next up is Netflix's Wednesday show. I'm going to get my thoughts on the show as a whole, but first... It broke a massive streaming record for Netflix in m- mere days. Jenna Ortega b- brings the Deadpan Charm as Wednesday Adams in Netflix's uh, new Tim Burton directed series, Wednesday, a fresh young adult take on the Adams family that just premiered last Wednesday on November 23rd. The good news series is already a massive hit for Netflix with the streamer announcing today that it just set an impressive new record. The series now holds the record for the most hours. Viewed in a week for an nef- English-language TV show on Netflix. The series was number one in 83 countries, tied with Stranger Things 4. Netflix also notes. Which is a great thing. And as far as the show goes, I, I finished the show. I love this show. I think Jenna Ortega has been carving a nice resume for herself in this in the horror genre. I know everybody's talking about the dance scene, which is great. The cramp song's great. I also love the uh, violence stuff, especially apocalyptic because nothing else matters in one, one episode. I thought this was a very entertaining show. I thought Janet Tega possibly was even better than Christina Ritchie. Christina Ritchie was also really good. She was in this show more than I thought she would be. Catherine Zia Jones was fantastic as Morticia for the limited time we saw her. And uh, Luis Guzman as Gomez, I thought was actually really good as well. The standout, even though he was only in one episode, Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester—that was just brilliant casting right there. But as far as the show goes, I I really enjoyed it. I uh, my only I guess I could critique is I there was a twist theory end. I kind of saw it coming, but I loved it, and it it got like what do you call it. Uh. What was it? Three uh let's see record Saw with the record breaking uh three hundred and forty-one point two three million hours viewed. That is just crazy. With fifty million uh households that have seen the series. But yeah, I love this show. I recommend watching it. Um I cannot wait for what General Ortega does next. I know she's doing the next scream movie in March, which I can't wait for. It was just a fun show. Uh and great cinematography on this show, especially with Tim Burton. I've, I've been a, I've been a big Tim Burford. He He's had his moments where he's had more misses than hits, but I, I love the show. I thought Tim Burton did an excellent job with this. So next up, we are going to be talking about the Christmas special, Guardians of the Galaxy. So I, I finally was able to watch the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. And I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I had a lot of fun with it. It was a good forty-five minutes. It was, uh, it was like the Drax and Mantis stuff was hilarious, especially with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon was great in this as well. It's more so Drax and Mantis's show or special, if you really think about it. I've been loving these special presentations for Marvel. I will, I will say that uh, it didn't look cheap like you would think because it's like not a full-on movie and all that. But I really enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. And I love the interactions with Drax and Mantis. And we got some callbacks from stuff, especially from Avengers Infinity War, which, if you remember, if you've seen the Christmas show, you know what I'm talking about. Just overall great stuff. And I can't wait to see more special presentations from Marvel and on Disney Plus in the future. So. Those are my thoughts on the Wednesday, or not the Wednesday, sorry, the uh, Guardians of Galaxy Christmas special. Finally, in terms of TV, we will be talking about the season finale of Chucky. Now we are talking about the season finale of Chucky, season two, the Christmas edition I really enjoyed this episode. It had some callbacks, to some previous episodes, and uh, just the fact that this show ended with a, or began with a Halloween special and it ended with a Christmas special was very good. I had, I had nothing but uh, praise for this. I was worried at the beginning of this, of the, uh, of the season two of Chucky and uh, I came out pleasantly surprised. It's season one, but I still really enjoyed it. Uh, I will say though, the, char- the the main lead characters have kind of you know overstayed their welcome. They're not as interesting as like the main characters we come to see, Chucky, and you know there are no Catherine Heigl from Bride of Chucky, but nonetheless. But uh, with that being said, I am also going to talk about my. First impressions of the Kalisto Protocol. I recently got the game uh, this past Friday, and I've been seeing the reviews and all that. It's been very mixed. So far, I'm only about, let's say, two hours in, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, The combat did have... uh, I did have to get used to combat. Uh, Luckily, I've not gotten into any technical issues, thank goodness, not yet, at least. Because that's why I've been here, and also I heard the. I think it was the PS Five was the uh, best version so far. I'm playing on PS Four, but nonetheless, I'm really enjoying it. It it is uh, it is dead like has Dead Space DNA through and through, so I love that. So, uh, but uh, hopefully next week I will give my full in depth review on the game itself. So with that being said, we are going to get into the reviews and what I mean by that is the movie reviews in just a moment. The first movie that we are going to be discussing is Bones and All. A movie that I only heard about not that long ago and saw the trailer and was just looking forward to it. And I am pleased to say that I really enjoyed this movie. So this movie's directed and I'm gonna butcher his name, but this Uh, Is directed by Luca Guadagino. Apologize in advance. Timothy Chalamet stars Timothy Chalamet. Taylor Russell and Mark Rylance. Love blossoms between a young woman on the margins of society and a disenfranchised drifter as they embark on a 3,000-mile odyssey through the back roads of America. However, despite their best efforts, all roads lead back to their terrifying past and a final stand that will determine whether their love can survive their differences. I really enjoyed this movie. It's a basically romantic movie with featuring cannibals, so it's a hard sell to some, I will say. But I really enjoyed it, Timothy Chalamet, which. I've not seen Dune yet. Unfortunately, I haven't, but I just haven't had time to watch it. But uh, Timothy Shelman was great in this movie. It's probably one of my first impressions of him. Uh, Taylor Russell, another one I've not seen that much of, but she was great. The main standout was Mark Rylance, which shouldn't be a surprise Oscar-nominated actor. He was fantastic in this movie. I, I was so invested in his character. The opening uh, like first 10 minutes was also really great. there was actually a good amount of gore, uh, which you should expect with a Campbell movie, But and uh, the ending, while heartbreaking, was re- really well done. So I recommend this movie. this movie is another movie that's not going to be for everyone, so that I will say, but uh, nonetheless, check it out if you can, and we will next be talking about Violet Night. Violet Night. I've been excited to talk about this movie. Basically, Die Hard with with Santa Claus. Really, this movie stars David Harbour, John Leguizamo, as directed by Tommy Wakola, and David Leach, who was uh, helping hand to John Wick and Deadpool movies. He is a producer. An elite team of mercenaries breaks into a family compound on Christmas Eve, taking everyone hostage inside. However, they aren't prepared for a surprise combatant. Santa Claus is on the grounds, and he's about to show why this Nick ain't no saint. Or is no saint, excuse me. Once I heard they were doing this movie, I was on board, especially with David Harbour. I love David Harbour. I've not seen Stranger Things, but I've I've been a fan of his ever since Walk Among Tombstones. Uh, I even liked him in Hellboy, even though that movie wasn't that good. But I thought he did good in the movie. But uh, this was actually a very fun movie. Uh, Cam G- Genadet, I believe is how you pronounce his name. I loved his uh, his role in the movie. Uh, very brief, but still I enjoyed his role. A lot of the characters are unlikable, but that was the point. They were supposed to be elitist snobs. Uh, the daughter that, w- that was talking to Santa Claus in this movie, she was really good. Uh, or the little girl, excuse me. Uh, John Legozamo. I know he's a very hit and miss actor, but I, I liked him in this. And then, of course, David Harbor was a standout as jolly old Saint Nick. Uh, some good kills, some graphic kills, I will say. Uh, it basically followed the same formula of Die Hard, which again was expected with this type of movie. But uh, just an excellent movie with some with some great humor and some heart, some surprising heart in this in this. Uh, in this movie, so i, I will give it, I will give it that, so uh this would be if we've taught new movies, this is my movie of the week of all the movies I, of the movies i've seen since of course, uh what do you call it since the last time I was on here. but with that, we are going to get into the final review, which is a long time coming and it is a tribute to my friend Elder. And it is the review of Nosferatu. Stay tuned. And finally, in a more somber note, this is a requested review, a tribute to my friend Elder, who I mentioned earlier, passed away last month from his battle with cancer. Um, One of the movies he's been wanting me to review for the longest time was Nosferatu, even back back in the Cult of Horror days. And in his honor, I am... Finally, doing his request with, of course, the 1929 film Nosferatu. Uh, it was, or, not excuse me, 1922 movie Nosferatu. In this highly influential silent horror film, the mysterious Count Orlock summons Thomas Hutter to his remote Transylvania castle in the mountains. The eerie Orlok seeks to buy a house near Hunter or Hunter and his wife Ellen. After Orlok reveals his vampire nature, Hunter struggles to escape the castle, knowing that Ellen is in grave danger. Meanwhile, Orlok's servant Nock prepares for his master to arrive at his new home. This was basically before, of course, the Bella Lugosi Dracula and many other. This was the First vampire movie, and this starred Max Schreck as Count Orlock. I actually, res- I bought the original and the remake. I bought the remake or the original both on Blu-ray, but the uh, Kino Lorber version, and it is a fantastic transfer of that movie. I I've heard that they're supposed to be bringing it out in 4K. I'm very curious because black and white movies look really good in 4K, but nonetheless. This is what started the vampire genre. This is also what our first introduction to what a vampire looked like in film. So for that reason, it is going to be iconic. This is a hard film to review per se due to the fact that it is a silent film. Director F.W. Manaru, if, I, if I'm a, I apologize for butchering the name, but and the screenplay by him as well. But uh, visually, this movie is stunning in terms of the scenery and the costumes. I can't really judge it. I can only judge it on the physical acting. I can't really judge it on the verbal because of the fact that it is a silent film. But it's a film that is very, very memorable for its scenery and for the look of Count Orlock again. Our very our, one of our very first looks of a film vampire. What they look like, and that has been kind of adapted in different f- uh, forms over the years. For, for like Bella, Lugosi, the more beautiful vampires, like in the Twilight movies, and or like the Underworld movies, so on and so forth, or even Interview of the Vampire. But this is the movie that that orchestrated. All of the movies that came after. Without this movie, we may not have gotten the Bela Lugosi Draco. Without this, we may not have gotten Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman. Without this, we may not have gotten the Vampire, the Lost Boys, so on and so forth. So this movie will forever have its legacy in the vampire genre and the horror genre because of this. And... One day I do want to remake, talk about the remake as well as the, as the um, what do you call it, the Shadow of a Vampire. Um, but as far as anything else I could talk about, the set, the score of this movie is also really well done, and of course the cinematography for a time is. Again, I apologize in advance. I've been I, this was going to be probably. I think this is one of the reasons why I held it off so long because this is going to be one of the more more difficult movies to review because I'm not used to reviewing silent films, and so I'm and I re- just rewatched it recent like a day ago before recording this episode, so I get a fresh look. And again, it, it is a very hard movie to talk about in terms of a. Critic standpoint, at least someone of my caliber. But I do recommend, you know, it is a silent film, so I know that it may not be for everybody, but I recommend to everybody to go check out Nosferatu, the original. And then even go check out the remake from the 70s. But do yourselves a favor and go check out it, because, again, this is a movie that, if it wasn't for this, we may not have gotten all the vampire movies we've gotten with, within the years. So to Elder... This one's for you, brother. I hope you enjoyed it. And we are going to get into the final topic of this episode, which is, of course, the top movies of every year that I've been alive. So I'll see you all in a bit. And finally, we are going to be talking about the top movies from every year that I was alive. So we're going from 1994 all the way to 2022. So it should give you a spoiler of what the number one is most likely going to be when we get to the year end awards in a couple of weeks. So we are going to get into my letterbox so we can because I've got the listing, the ranking there. So this is by year. This is not in like the in, in like number from worst to best rating. This is by because all these movies are excellent. Now some now there are two years that have ties. I'm just going to say that right now, before anybody says anything, that, that is going to be the one thing I will say. So with that being said, starting off with the year that I was born, 1994, The Crow, of course, Brandon Lee's magnum opus, a gothic horror, tragic love story. What can you? What can? Awesome soundtrack. Great visuals. What, what could you not say about The Crow? Number two, and that, and that is, uh, or not number two, sorry, 1995, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. I've talked about this movie at nauseum, so I'm not going to go into any more detail. 1996, From Dusk Till Dawn, the moment where I thought that George Clooney was cool. You know, I was not the biggest George Clooney fan growing up. I hated him in Batman and Robin. So I didn't really check him out until I didn't really see a lot of his films. Basically, until my teens, I finally saw From Dust Till Dawn. And I thought, okay, this is why people think George Clooney's cool because he's fucking cool in this way. Plus, a great performance from Quinn Tarantino and, of course, Salma Hayek. She just celebrated her, 56 birth- I it was her 56th birthday this past week. Age is like fine wine. 1997, the greatest sci fi horror film of all time. I know this is controversial. Event Horizon. Paul W. S. Anderson's magnum opus, and one of the big influences to one of my favorite video game franchises of all time Dead Space. And even you could say the Pro Protocol. We'll get to that later. Like, we'll get to that when. Because I will. I do plan on doing a review, a full on review, maybe next episode. But we'll see about that. 1998, Blade, the unsung hero of what basically brought the superhero genre back from the pits of hell that was Batman and Robin. Wesley Sipes was great. Just fantastic. And the opening was one of my favorite openings of a comic book movie ever. 1999, Fight Club. Of course, we're breaking the first about Fight Club by talking about the Fight Club. Brad Pitt, just, again, the embodiment of badassery, the embodiment of cool. And, of course, Edward Norton, fantastic as always. And just a great visual, especially from one of my favorites, probably my favorite director of all time, David Fincher. 2000, we got America's Psycho. Of course, my favorite Christian Bale film, and that's hard because there's a lot of great Christian Bale films. And also the reason that got me into a lot of the '80s music, like Phil and '80 and uh, like Huey Lewis, Phil Collins, so on and so forth. Rob Palmer. Speaking of uh, more so of an '80s song, but a cover of an '80s song, that gets us to 2001. Donnie Darko. My introduction to Jake Gyllenhaal as a as a director, or not as a director, as a, as a actor. The director of this movie. Directed another film that I find very underrated and underappreciated, Southland Tales with The Rock, back when he actually was trying to act and not be God every movie he's in. But fantastic performances. One of uh, Patrick Swayze's final like great performances. I loved him in this movie. Just an overall great movie. And, and a uh, kind of a return to form for Drew Barrymore as well. Number or this is a 2002 Spider-Man, the movie that truly brought superhero movies back on the map with success of Blade, the X-Men, now Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, my favorite Spider-Man, Sam Raimi, William, Def- Sam Raimi behind the camera, William Defoe, fantastic as always, just a great film, a great superhero film. 2003, Lord of the Rings: Return to King. I was a big Lord of the Rings fan as a kid. That was my that was like my Star Wars. Like I was a Star Wars fan back then. I'm bigger. I'm bigger Star Wars fan nowadays. But man, Lord of the Rings was the shit back then when I was growing up. Fuck, an epic conclusion. Probably my probably my only complaint is that the the ending went too 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 long. So now we're getting into 2004. Probably the, the first of two ties. And that is, 2004, Has Secret Window and The Butterfly Effect. Now, The Butterfly Effect, I think, is Ashton Kutch's be- best acted film. And I think it's Ashton Kutch's best film overall. I, I have a lot of emotion about this movie. I just love this movie. It is a classic. It is a movie that not a lot of people talk about anymore. They should. It's a fantastic film. If you could change something in your past, would you do it? And would you be ready for the... Consequences of those changes, and the other movie, *Secret Window*. While the ending could be predictable, the twists and all that. I think this is one of uh, Stephen King's more underappreciated films, and one of Johnny Depp's more underappreciated films. So that's why it's tie. It was hard choosing. Next up, we have two thousand and five, and that is V for Vendetta, one of my favorite. Again, underappreciated comic book films. Just an overall fantastic cast. Natalie Portman literally shaved her head for this movie. Just a great, and V is one of the most interesting characters in film history, in my opinion. Now, again, to two thousand six, my favorite video game movie of all time, and that is Silent Hill. I cannot wait for the next movie by the same director of this movie. Silent Hill is the mo- is one of the most accurate. Game to movie adaptations I've seen There are some that are, that are similar But this, this was almost near perfect In my opinion 2007 Trick or Treat my Probably my favorite anthology Horror film, there's a lot of good anthology Horror films out there Sam became an instant horror icon I actually Got a wallet of his of that Recently, I could not pass it up unless, Once I saw it, Spencer's, but it's a fantastic film. Uh, one of Anna Paquin's uh, more underrated uh, roles, I think. It was right before she went into True Blood, so because uh, the True Blood came out the year the year after, two thousand eight, The Dark Knight again. Some, a movie that I don't need to really talk too much about because who like what what I will say is basically you know what everybody else says, but Heath Ledger. One of the goats of the Joker. 2009, it was a tough one because there was Watchmen, which was a fantastic film. But then there was also District 9. One of the more unique films, Chateau Copley's best, one of his best performances. It is an unfortunate what happened with director is Fall from Grace, but this was an excellent film. And an excellent character study and the kind of a twisting of the racial stuff, but instead it was aliens and all that sort of stuff. It was a fantastic film. Check out District 9 if you you haven't already. 2010, one of the very few movies that made me cry, and that's Toy Story 3. What I think is the greatest animated film of all time, of one of the greatest, if not the greatest animated series of all time in film. Just an excellent movie. 2011, Drive. Probably the first time I actually took Ryan Gosling serious as an actor. Excellent movie. For, and just the visuals and the soundtrack of this movie is just top-notch. 2012, The Avengers. Even though, I believe not yeah none of the other Avengers movies are on here. But this movie, one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. Just a fantastic film. Just year, like four years of just them busting their ass at with the MCU to bring us this magnum opus. Great, great stuff. Twenty thirteen, Prisoners. Another fantastic film with Jake Gyllenhaal is basically going to be in the next this one and the next one. In terms of this, this is, this is excellent. Paul Dano. Another unsung hero in terms of acting, you'll see be seeing you'll be hearing about him later on as well. But just a fantastic movie with one of my favorite endings of a thriller in recent memory. Number twenty or number twenty? Uh, what do you call? It? I'm I'm used to like I'm I'm reading this and it's ranked like a list, so I'm I'm having to do it like oh this year that year. Twenty fourteen Nightcrawler. Again, the difference between how Jake Hall looked from one year to another in this movie was just fantastic, like just just incredible, and the performance was just fucking amazing. With just with his personality, he was a very interesting character. Part of me would like a sequel to this, but I I kind of like like that it was left alone. The ambiguity is still there with the character. Just a great film. Check out this movie as well if you have not. Uh, 2015, The Gift. Joel Edgerton's debut as a director. He killed it. He's another unsung hero in terms of acting. Just a fantastic film with a great performance by Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall and Joel Edgerton himself. Another fantastic thriller. The Witch from 2016. 2016. Or not? Yeah, 2016. Just again, a, a, one of the movies that made me appreciate not only indie film but art. Like, just a film is not is not just telling you everything; it's just giving you little cookie crumbs. You know, following it, right? Just a one of the greatest horror films of recent, in recent memory. 2017. One of the greatest comic book movies of all time, better than the Avengers, and that is James Mangold's Logan. Just an excellent film where we finally got to see Logan just wreak havoc with blood, gore. One of the best performances is from Patrick Stewart's Charles Xavier. And again, an excellent performance by Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and a bittersweet end to his character, that we are going to see him again in Deadpool 3. However, is not is not is still the canon of him dying and this is still intact. So 2018, Hereditary. One of the scariest movies of the last 15 years. Tony Collette is ashamed that she didn't get nominated for an Oscar, but this was one of the best performances by a um By an actress I've ever seen. She was just phenomenal. And some of the scariest scenes in a movie that didn't require the jump scare. Ah! ah, ah." So, again, another movie you should check out. 2019. the The year before the world went to shit. We have Joker. Todd Phillips' magnum opus. With Joaquin Phoenix delivering a heartbreaking performance as Arthur Fleck with Robert De Niro as a great supporting lead. Just an overall fantastic film with iconic moment after iconic moment. I cannot wait for the sequel. 2020, Brandon Cronenberg, the son of David Cronenberg, made his magnum opus as well in terms of Possessor, following in his father's footsteps. Some great practical effects, a fantastic and a very interesting story. I got Lost in the Universe Kind of like how I did with Crimes of the Future. Just say, excellent, excellent movie. And a movie that Sean Bean does not die, however, he probably wish he did. You know what I mean if you've seen this. And now we have our final tie of the, the, our second tie, also our final tie. 2021, Malignant and Last Night in Soho. I believe Malignant is also one of the greatest horror films of the last 15 years. Last night in Soho also fits that because they're very both different from each other, but they but they kind of they feel like those Giallo Dario Argento type movies, especially Last Night in Soho on the Argento side. Great performances by Anya Taylor Joy, as baby name was Mackenzie Mitchell. You know, just a overall excellent film with that one. And Malignant, I've said a lot about Malignant, so we will leave it at that. And then finally, 2022, I'm not going to go into details with this movie because I'm going to save it most likely for the year-end awards, but this should spoil what the best movie of the year is, and that is The Batman. And I'm going to leave it there because I'll get more into details once I go into – the year-end awards. But uh, Robert Pad says the best Batman. Fight me. Anyway, guys. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. It was a bittersweet episode due to the events I found out about earlier this week that I mentioned at the beginning. But this episode was for you, Elder. And I hope you're up there in the Mickey Mouse bullshit in the sky. checking Checking out and having a good time. And no longer in pain. So with that being said, guys, I hope you all have a great um I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you all have a great start to your beginning of December. And I will see you next week for episode 25. I'm not gonna plug any of my stuff because, well, this is a um it's an episode that I was trying to keep grounded, if you will. So with that, I'll see you all next week. Stay groovy out there, ladies and gentlemen. At the House of Chade, and the House always wins. Take care, guys.